Hello and welcome to Filling the Sink, a podcast from Catalan News. My name's Lorcan Doherty and today we're talking about the impact the pandemic has had on Barcelona's bars and restaurants. Café culture and eating out are at the heart of the Barcelona lifestyle. But the Catalan capital's cafes and restaurants, all 9,000 of them nearly, have had a tough year to say the least. With long periods closed, then restricted opening hours, and complaints about the lack of financial support, the coronavirus pandemic has really taken its toll on the city's eateries. On this week's podcast, we're looking at some iconic places that have shut their doors for good, and asking could anything have been done about it. Joining me today on Filling the Sink are Catalan News journalists Christina Tomas-White and Killian Shields. Hello folks. Hey Lorcan, how are you? Good to be back. Hey Lorcan. So I said there in the introduction that cafe culture is a huge part of the lifestyle here. Is that something you both agree with? 100%. I mean, bars and restaurants here, they're much more than just a place to get drunk, isn't it? Or have a bite to eat. Like they're really social hubs, real spaces for communities to come and meet. And so many of them are independent too, you know, unlike other countries, I mean, I'm speaking about the US or maybe even England, there's so many chains, whereas here, um, a lot of them are just, you know, family run businesses or just smaller enterprises. So they really do get to know the people in the neighborhood and, and you know, you'll walk into a place and be like, oh, that wapa, and, and you're just happy to be there, even if it's just a quick hello. Here in Barcelona, like in many parts of the world, some of the places that have been worst affected by the economic crisis that has gone hand in hand with the COVID health crisis are these bars and cafes and restaurants. Isn't that right, Killian? Totally. I mean, naturally enough, with mobility coming to an almost complete halt, businesses that rely on physical presence of their customers, they're going to struggle. So the year that the pandemic started in, in 2020, if we compare that to 2019, Catalonia saw an overall drop of 11.4% of its GDP. And as well, the director of the Barcelona Restaurants Association, uh, when I spoke to him last week, he told me that a quarter of the businesses uh, have closed down since the beginning of the pandemic and a further quarter are in danger of doing so. And what because this changes from place to place, even country to country, but even within countries as well, the, the kind of measures that uh, these businesses have faced. Christina, give, give us a bit of an overview um, of like closures and, and restrictions. Right. So last year when the pandemic hit um, as a non-essential business, they all had to close and they were closed for a good uh, two months or so. And then over the summer until mid-October, they were able to open more or less as normal. From mid-October until late November, they were closed completely, though they could provide takeout services. And then from late November until December 21st, more or less, they were able to open until curfew. But then from December 21st, they've only been able to open for breakfast and lunch. So you can still, you know, order a meal for dinner, but you just cannot eat. On site. Yeah, so and at the minute it's, I know it closes at five because yeah. I've been at their closing out time. Right, I'm never not, there first thing in the morning. Riser. What time do they open again? Uh, 7.30. 7.30. So they're open 7.30 to five at the minute. And that's actually the tightest restriction of any of the autonomous communities in Spain, which is something that we, again, we'll hear some complaints about later on. Now, this week, our colleague, Alan Rithrall, has been out and about speaking to the owners of some of his favourite spots in Barcelona that have been severely affected by the pandemic. Hey, 
Every time I come home after traveling abroad, one of the first things I want to do is go to a bar. Let me tell you, if you've never been to Catalonia or anywhere in Spain really, you may not know what I mean when I say bar. It's a mix between a cafe, a restaurant and, well, a bar. You can go there early in the morning for breakfast, stay for lunch and order the menu del dia, then for dinner have some tapas and stay until past midnight having drinks with friends. It's a great place to be at any time. The only exception probably being when there's a global pandemic. This is Rafael Jordana, the owner of La Bodega d'en Rafael. He says bars are suffering and blames authorities for not doing enough to help businesses, seeing the financial aid as insufficient. He's lost tens of thousands of euros, with profits plummeting for not being able to open at night. The result? After 60 years, La Bodega d'en Rafael will soon close. Maybe next month or next year. And with it, I will lose my favorite bar in the city. As you can imagine, everybody has their favorite bar. And in my case, I used to have two. This is Mario, the former owner of Pizza Slavia in the Raval neighborhood. The pandemic dealt him the final blow, but the main reason why he closed was that the building was collapsing and the landlord didn't do much to prevent it. For months, I walked past the shutters, wondering when it would reopen. When I found out it wouldn't, I was in mourning for losing something I had taken for granted. Delicious food, reasonable prices, but more than that, a sense of familiarity, of certainty in a way. The never-ending stories Mario would tell, the books piled up all across the place, or his wife's bizarre paintings hanging from the walls. Whether I was on a first date with my girlfriend or celebrating my birthday with friends, I just knew there was always going to be a next time. But then, there wasn't. Mario now owns a second-hand bookstall, not far from his former bar. I went there a few days ago, and he recalled all the famous people who dropped by Pizza Slavia, from Steven Spielberg to Rosalia, who used to study flamenco very nearby. Mario's restaurant was also a meeting point for countless grassroots organizations, like migrants from Paraguay teaching their mother tongue Guarani, and the upper floor one serving as a music school for the Roma community. Mario rejoices with the good memories, but he can't help but wonder what it's all been for. He says he worked 16 hours a day. He had Mondays off, but had to clean the place. In a way, it must be a relief. The same goes for Rafael. Regular clients urge him not to give up, to stay in business. What they don't know is the price his family paid so that he could always be there for his clients. He regrets being an absent father. When his wife changed diapers, he was working. When other parents attended school festivals, he was working. At this point, he just wants to rest. He says he's done enough for the city. I ask him what will happen to the bar after he leaves, but he doesn't know. The neighborhood is changing, with new businesses popping up everywhere, often closing shortly after. What's certain, he says, is that not many people can or are willing to open a bar and work as much as he did for decades. And I can't help but wonder if the pandemic has only accelerated the downfall of a much-beloved institution as we've known it for generations. That was Alan Reithrall speaking to Mario and Rafael and our thanks to both of them. Well, those are a couple of the places that have been affected and and there are countless in the same boat, including some famous Catalan institutions, some really well-known restaurants in the city, Killian. 
Yeah, some truly historic establishments. I mean, there was Cansoteras, for one example, that's in, in the Aishampla district that existed for 105 years. Another one in El Gotico, Agut, 97 years, both of them gone. Agut, above any others, uh, truly resisted modernization to the absolute maximum. So you'd walk in there even in the 21st century with your smartphone and Wi-Fi and everything like that. But it would have a feel like you're stepping into another era entirely. Schilling Cafe is another one that's that's no longer. That's been replaced by a fast food chain, in fact. It described itself as a place for all types of people. Um, and what I really loved about it was it offered free exhibition space for local artists. So any photographers or painters or illustrators to just display and sell their work to like-minded individuals that would frequent the, the Schilling Cafe bar. That's a bit like what Alan mentioned there about Pizza's Labia being a place, a meeting point for organisations and, and things like that. So it's that's a sad thing about losing places like this. Places with so much personality like that, like really unique spaces and replaced by a, a chain. I suppose the restaurant industry at the best of times is a challenging one and there's you know sometimes quite a lot of churn in premises and stuff. Not in the case, obviously, Killian, in some of those places you mentioned that have been going 100 years. But the pandemic has really made things a lot worse. Governments have tried to support them financially, but generally uh, the reaction from restaurant owners has been that it's not enough. What kind of of, um, financial support has been given? So last October, the Catalan government announced a financial aid package for this sector of 40 million. But we've had complaints that this is just an insignificant amount of compensation for the losses that they've had. We've had PMEC, which is Catalonia's Association of Small and Medium Businesses, say that this only represents 5% of the losses incurred over this time that they've been affected by the various restrictions at play. And the Catalan government said at the time as well that they were in favour of keeping bars and restaurants shut, which isn't what the bar and restaurant owners wanted. But if Spain were able to provide them with uh, direct aid in order to make up for their losses. But I think a lot of the complaints throughout the year from uh, restaurant owners and, and cafe owners has been that the help has been in the form of loans or Deferred payment of taxes, for example, which, you know, it it means that they're going to have to pay back the money eventually. So it doesn't exactly solve the issue for them immediately. Kicks the can further down the road. There's been a couple of other things, such as the, the furlough scheme, the temporary layoff scheme. Many bars in Barcelona are independently run and operated. So the bar owners would qualify for the furlough scheme as well. So there's been things like this, things like um, the terraces as well. Very popular in the nice climate here, but speaking from a health perspective, a lot safer to have your drink and food in as opposed to indoors. So terraces, they've been allowed to expand. There's also been in Barcelona a discount given on the terrace taxes that they've had to pay. But this has not been without its own issues because many businesses also report that in the end they just end up paying more in their terrace tax because they've been given more space, which fair enough, but in the end they just end up paying more but taxes. Yeah. Paying more because and they don't necessarily space. have more tables out there because there needs to be a meter between each of them. So Yeah, but I mean, uh, just speaking from kind of looking around the streets where I live and stuff, a lot of places that didn't have any terraces at all now have outdoor seating areas, so... I presume they're paying more tax because they paid zero tax for that before. So right, it's gone right. up, but it's, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a good measure because it's allowed them to have some clients that they wouldn't have been able to have at all before. Mm-hmm. 
it just really depends on the street that they're they're on you know if you're on a busy street there's no room for a terrace so yeah it's interesting in that way that like these measures that have come into place and including the time restrictions they're blanket measures that affect every bar but not every bar is the same so the measures will affect them in different ways so for example cocktail bars that are only popular at night time. Well, I suppose they can open before five o'clock, but they're not the type of place that people will go to at lunchtime. <laughs> yeah, you never know. People might be desperate. <laughs> or should yeah. go to for lunchtime. <laughs> yeah, we're judging them here at Catalan News. No, but that's very true. The same measures really don't affect bars and restaurants in the same way. I was talking to a, an owner of um, a little restaurant just below our flat, and that's what he was saying. They're, they're opening, and I'm saying, oh, God, it's busy. This was a Saturday afternoon. He said, yeah, it's busy, it's, but it's Saturday afternoon. The rest of the week, we're dead, and we're normally a place where on a Wednesday night, you might have people going for wine and tapas. So, you know, what? sometimes on the surface, it looks okay. Yeah, this, this place is doing okay, but he said, no, the reality is... If you look at over the course of a week, it, 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 the fact that they ha- are closing at five, it really hits them. And for example, bars and restaurants that are in shopping malls have only been able to reopen this week. You know, they've been closed for a good six months. Yeah, the restrictions there have been a lot tighter than... Right, right. They were able to reopen for Christmas, you know, when everyone's doing the Christmas shopping, but then they've been shut until this week. But they have been able to apply for 15,000 euros in direct aid. Okay, well, so... It's been different from restaurant to restaurant, but to kind of get an overview, Killian, this week you spoke to the head of the Barcelona Restaurant Association. Let's take a listen. Mira, nosaltres calculem que Barcelona ha perdut a dia d'avui I met with Roger Pallarols, director of the Barcelona Restaurants Association, in the headquarters building of his organization. He had a coffee before our interview began, quite a nice-looking tayat, an espresso with just a small amount of milk. And I think to myself that the headquarters for the Restaurant Association must have a very good coffee machine. Sadly, though, there is no coffee, or indeed anything at all on offer, in the roughly 25% of bars and restaurants that existed in Barcelona before the pandemic that have since had to close. This is how Roger and I start our conversation, and he informs me that a further 25% of businesses are in danger of closing for good, while he estimates that a best-case scenario for the Catalan capital would be only around one-third of bars and restaurants closing by the time we make it to the other end of this crisis. Roger is not happy with how authorities have managed this situation. He uses words such as erratic and irresponsible to describe the government policy over the last year that has determined to what extent the businesses he represents have been allowed to open. He is not alone in this thinking, as restaurateurs up and down the country have taken to the streets on various occasions over the last year to protest against the restrictions limiting their operation. Catalonia is, of course, no stranger to protests, but this group, restaurant owners, managed to make more noise than most, banging their pots, pans and cooking equipment in the streets and squares. And last October they launched eggs, plates and other items commonly found in their workplaces at the Catalan government headquarters building, under the rallying cry, we want to work. How much they have been able to work has been limited, and frequently changing as case figures go up and down. Roger Payarols sees this as a grave danger to a sector that he points out provides 80,000 jobs directly in normal years. 
com països que tenen la restauració tancada des de fa mesos. He argues that the evolution of the pandemic has been very similar here compared to other countries which have closed the industry entirely for months on end, as well as places such as Madrid that have placed very few limits on how hospitality businesses can operate. As such, he believes there is no causal relationship between the sector he represents and how the health crisis has evolved. Additionally, the economic help given to these businesses in countries that have closed bars entirely has been enough to help them stay afloat, he says, while he rallies against the financial support given to the sector in Catalonia, saying it's impossible for most to balance the books at the end of the month. Times of crisis for some can also mean times of opportunity for others. Many historic bars, filled with charm and character in the Catalan capital, have not been able to survive the past year, while certain corporations, such as multinationals and chains, with plenty of cash reserves, have been able to take advantage of a surplus of supply of locales, and have moved into spots where institutions of the Barcelona bar scene once stood. Roger is keen not to stir controversy here and instead points out that any business that can operate and provide jobs is better than none existing at all. I ask him too about the economic model of Barcelona being so reliant on tourism and whether this is a problem, a bubble of sorts. He has no doubts in his mind that the pandemic is the anomaly at play here, causing such destruction, and that once it ends, Barcelona has no other choice but to do everything in its power to regain its place in the top 10 global tourist destinations, as this is a model that has brought wealth and prosperity to our shores for decades already. Okay, so that was Roger Pallorols. Interesting that he thinks that a return of the tourists is going to be the answer to everything. I mean, that's maybe a little bit dangerous, you might think. Yeah, it's a debate that's in the air at the moment. Is Barcelona too reliant on tourism as an economic model? Are they too reliant on, on, on this industry that we've seen once mobility comes to a halt? Basically, that motor of the economy also comes to a halt. It's sort of in a fragile situation, isn't it? Right, especially hasn't, since it hasn't been as extreme in other richer European countries. You know, they haven't seen such a severe GDP drop as we have here. Maybe we are possibly too over-reliant on tourism. Around 12% of the GDP is what usually comes from tourism. In Catalonia, yeah. And in terms of number of bars and restaurants in Barcelona, it's just shy of 9,000 and over 1.5 million people living in the city. So that means a bar for every 184 people, which, I mean, it sounds like a lot. And I guess some of those are probably set up to serve tourists because there's so many tourists that normally come here each year so it's inevitable that there's that they're going to suffer when there's no tourists and a lot of those um old ones that we were talking about that shut in gotico and born and well just in ciutat Vella in general that is a very touristy area yeah the old town i don't know how many locals are going into shilling these days just because it's smack in the middle of ferran yeah, Similarly, yeah. Uh, I think we had an article out this week about um, how hotels have had a 95% drop in in income, which is very extreme just because there just hasn't been tourism. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're talking about bars and restaurants in Barcelona, but obviously other sectors like that are affected. And today we haven't got into it about bars and restaurants 
outside of Barcelona because a lot of them have been affected by, for example, the the lockdown, the Comarca lockdown, you know, where you couldn't leave your county and they're kind of reliant on visitors from elsewhere. But, you know, uh, too much for today. We're kind of nearly wrapping up. Uh, one thing I did want to do was uh, just, we did a bit of fact-checking on something that uh, Roger Pallarol says, which was the comparison with Madrid, because his point was kind of like, in Madrid, the restrictions are a lot less restrictive and it hasn't really made a difference to the, 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 the pandemic. But that's not really the full story, I don't think. Madrid have taken a very different approach compared to Catalonia for bars and restaurants. So basically, they're the only autonomous community in Spain to give no direct help to this industry. But instead, they've taken the approach of letting them operate, letting them open as late as possible until the curfew makes them close, essentially. But it's not entirely true to say that uh, it hasn't had an effect on the number of COVID cases in Madrid region, you know, not just not just the capital. Um, if we look at figures from the Spanish Health Ministry that were published yesterday, we can see that in Catalonia, 37.46 of ICU beds are occupied by COVID-19 patients, whereas in Madrid, it was at 43.76%. So, that, I mean, it's not a huge difference, but it's still... Yeah, higher. Yeah, it's higher in Madrid. I mean, for me, the, the thing was looking at the stats this week is that, and we have to be careful when we talk about stats because the Catalan government figures differ from the Spanish government figures because they count them in, in different ways. But comparing like for like with the Spanish government figures for Catalonia and Madrid, the deaths in the last seven days, for example, in Madrid, it's almost four times or it was four times higher than in Catalonia. And Madrid actually has a smaller population. There's just under seven million people in Madrid, just under eight million in Catalonia. And Madrid was worse in terms of cases uh, per 100,000. It was nearly 50% worse uh, ICUs, as you said, and hospital bed COVID occupation in general was about twice, the percentage was about twice as much in Madrid as in Catalonia. So, I, you know, I don't think it's fair to say that the pandemic is kind of going in the exact same way in the two autonomous communities. Those stats, I think, speak for themselves, don't they? But even though um, Bayarol says that we should have taken the same approach as Madrid, our public health secretary, uh, Josep Maria Argimon, the Catalan public health secretary, says that Catalonia would actually have had 6,000 more deaths um, if they had kept bars and restaurants open the same way. Yeah, and I mean, we've kind of got into... COVID-19 and the pandemic and into some figures here, which I suppose is maybe inevitable because, I mean, we were looking at the bars and restaurants that have closed and some of our favourite spots. But again, at the heart of the reason behind all of this is is the pandemic. Um, we'll actually be talking about the current COVID-19 situation in Catalonia uh, a bit more in depth in next week's podcast too. <laughs> Time now for our Catalan phrase. What's it this week, Christina? Salud y forza al canut. Salud y forza al canut, which is... Health and money. Health and money. Well, it's like, that's how you say cheers, basically, here, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and all this talking about bars and restaurants and eating out, that it was kind of apt. So once the pandemic is over, if any non-Catalan resident is considering visiting afterwards in, in a safe environment... Once you get a beer or any other drink that you want, if you want to toast with any of your friends or companions, 
Salut y forza el canut. And actually, it's normally just salut, isn't it? You know, the, yeah. the other thing, maybe if there's a big group or something, it's y forza el canut. Sure I don't even know what that means. Um, well, canut apparently was like this old um, pouch that I think peasants used to carry around and put their coins in. So if you had a heavy canut, you had a lot of coins on you. Ah, right, okay. Salut y forza el canut. And that brings us to the end of this week's podcast. Thanks very much for tuning in, as always. Thanks to Alan. He was speaking to Mario and Rafael. Thanks as well to Roger Pallorols from the Barcelona Restaurant Association. And thanks very much, Kellyan and Christina, to the two of you as well. And thanks to you, Lorca. Yeah, thanks for having us. We'll be back again with another episode of Filling the Sink next week. Until then, keep safe, take care. Bye for now. Adieu. Y salud. Y salud.